Hello and welcome to the Women and ADHD podcast. I'm your host, Katie Weber. If you're listening to this podcast, you probably have ADHD, or you, at least you think you have ADHD. If that's true, I know how hard it can be for you to switch gears and go into an app and try to remember to rate stuff, much less write a whole review. But as you know, any form of positive feedback is everything when you're putting yourself out there and doing this kind of stuff. So if you're enjoying this podcast, I really appreciate any feedback you're willing to give. And thank you to those of you who've already given me some five-star ratings. I really appreciate it. And you guys can kindly disregard my constant begging and pleading in future episodes. Moving on, this is episode 12, in which I interview Alejandra Kotke. When you listen to her say her own name, it sounds beautiful. I'm sure I'm butchering it. Alejandra lives in Northern Illinois with her husband and two sons. Her brick and mortar tanning business closed in 2020 thanks to COVID. So she pivoted to working one-on-one with clients as a master certified spray tan artist. Alejandra had only been diagnosed a couple months when we spoke and so much of her inner journey since then is so relatable. So if you've just been diagnosed, like hold on to your pants because you are really going to relate to this interview so much. She has a real gift for articulating the emotional roller coaster that we all ride after discovering we have ADHD. If you know somebody who was recently diagnosed, please share this episode with them because I just think it's it just touches so many points in terms of what we go through during those first few weeks of recognition. We also talk about how she got into the business of tanning and how since sunlight is supposed to be very helpful for the ADHD brain, it kind of makes sense that she really loved tanning, which I think is really interesting. I don't know any research about that, but it seems like it would make sense. Uh, and then this leads us to talking about impulsivity and starting a business on a whim, which is kind of what she did, and following our guts and the logic behind why people with ADHD are chronic procrastinators and why we thrive with strict deadlines. So yeah, lots of great insights into entrepreneurship and the highs and lows of starting a business when you have ADHD. Also, I've discussed Jesse Romero's female entrepreneurs Facebook group with past guests, and I always forget to include a link to the show notes, but this time I've finally done it. So if you're interested in following Jessie or joining her group, check out the show notes. She is awesome and has created an amazing resource for ADHD female entrepreneurs. Okay, without further ado, enjoy. Awesome. All right. Well, welcome Alejandra. I'm so excited to have you join me today. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. This is my first time ever doing anything like this. So I'm a little nervous. Don't know what's going to come out of my mouth. I'm I'm hoping (laughs) nothing embarrassing. (laughs) Well, that's the beauty of having a podcast about women with ADHD is I find that like, we can get away with a lot more in in this arena, because, you know, if we're interrupting each other, or if we're stumbling over our words, or if we lose our train of thought mid sentence, we're just like, yeah, that's all part of the ADHD. (laughs) So yeah, uh, nothing to worry about. (laughs) Okay, so you are also fairly newly diagnosed, right? Yes. It's only been a couple months. That's right. And so I'm, I'm calling us pandemic diagnoses. Right. (laughs) Of the TikTok uh, variety. (laughs) Right. Oh, okay. Okay. I'm going to ask you about whatever some of your favorite resources are. But first, I want to ask you kind of what led up to you first thinking that you had ADHD and kind of what walk me through what led up to your recent diagnosis. Okay. So when I said the TikTok variety, I mean, that's literally the first time that the light bulb went on and I was, and I, was starting to connect the dots. So I I saw this one TikTok and it was um she was using the the audio from a podcast called I Have ADHD and she was talking about executive function and what it looks like. And everything that you know how in TikTok they they point to the air and then the words come up and it showed <laughs> yes. the words you know, like the the specifics to the executive function issues as she was, you know, using the voiceover from the from the podcast. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's me. 
that's, she's talking about me. And so of course, curiosity, the hyper-focus thing. So then I go and find this podcast and I start listening. I start binging it from the very first one. And it was like an awakening. I felt like, I always felt like I was an oddball. Like I was all by myself. My, my peculiarities were all my own. Um, and there was no one in the world like me. It was just me and I needed to figure out myself so that I could function and release all the greatness that is inside. You know what I mean? Like you feel so, I, we're now I'm like, oh my gosh, there's a whole bunch of us. <laughs> oh, absolutely. It was, yeah. It was, yeah. It's a, so that was, that was the beginning. And as I started to, um, every, like, I, I don't think I had language before really for all of the little things, um, and all of the big things. I, I don't think that I, I understood that there was, you know what I mean? All of, basically it's just a jumble and you're trying to work through your own jumble. I was trying to work through my own jumble. And then when she basically started, she had like a podcast on each thing and it unraveled and gave language to the things that I had been struggling with um, and the, the great things as well. And, and it was, it was amazing. And so after that, once realizing and, you know, okay, this is real, this isn't just, I have some things in common. Then um, I, you know, started consuming like some, some of the resources that she had mentioned. And then I, then I, I thought it's time I need to, I need to call my doctor. So I called my doctor and I took all these surveys, you know, just to see if, um, so I could show up with some information that, um, so that she didn't just think like, oh, you're crazy. And, and I took all of these like tests in the back of this book. So I took that to my doctor and, um, and she didn't really, you know, she was like, oh, okay. Yeah. And it was really actually easier than I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be like, okay, a lot, a long process. And it really wasn't. I had a very similar experience. I also, I, I took the self-tests online and, mm-hmm. um, I took one with attitude magazine, the one, the self-test yep. for women, which I got almost a perfect score on. Mm-hmm. And so I, I printed that out. I definitely wanted to bring that to my doctor. And then I had another checklist that I had found in uh, Tracy Outsuka's ADHD for Smart Ass Women, her Facebook group mm-hmm. in her resources. She had a pretty extensive checklist that I also brought in because it feels like the stakes are high, right? Like you sort of right. feel like um, if if my doctor doesn't agree with that, I have this diagnosis of something that suddenly makes my whole life make sense. If my doctor doesn't validate that, then what do I do? Like I, I felt right. re- a lot of panic that she was going to say, oh, you know, you're crazy. Don't be silly. This is, you know, you're just stressed or it's just the pandemic or, you know. Right. And and then it went really easily, you know, like I, I was there with all of my papers and, and, and she was really <laughs> sort of like, oh yeah, yeah, let's, let's get this diagnosed and let's get this treated. And I was like, oh, Wow, I, I wasn't prepared for this. For how easy right. it was going to be. So, and just to clarify, this is the the you were listening to the I Have ADHD podcast with Kristen Carter, right? That's right. Yes. When you talked about binging, so, okay, yeah. And it's so funny because when you say that, you said it made your whole life make sense. I heard that. I would listen to your previous podcast, um, and when you said that, I get goosebumps because that's literally how I described it. I all of a sudden thought like my whole life made sense going back all the way back to even being a kid. It just snapped into focus. Like, so when you say that I'm, I still, even right now I'm getting goosebumps because that is literally the statement that describes this whole discovery. It was as though I found the missing piece of the puzzle that helped me to understand myself and my whole life. (laughs) Yes. And I think if if anything is an indicator that you have ADHD, it would be the that overwhelming rush of of recognition. You know, it's it's right. one thing to watch those TikTok videos and be like, "Oh, haha, I struggle with that." But I think it's an, another thing entirely when you when you bring in this feeling of like, "I had this one narrative my entire life, and now this is probably one of the most 
important revelations I've ever had about who I am and my identity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's probably an indication that you have ADHD, you know, how important <laughs> it is for you to be able to reframe your life. Because I think we go through our whole lives with this sense of who we are and it's often very negative and, and there is a lot of that negative self-talk and, and self-deprecation. And then just to be like, Oh my goodness, there's an explanation for all of it. It is so, it right. is so life-changing. Absolutely. So what are some specific things then when you look back at your life growing up where you think, Oh yes, that was obviously clearly ADHD. <laughs> okay. So my earliest memory that I can really pinpoint, because I've really thought, I've really thought about this. Um, when I was, I think in kindergarten, I was sent to the school psychologist because my teacher thought there was something odd about me. She and I I have always tried to understand, you know, what was it? Like what what was the deal? So I know that I I would finish my work quickly. I feel like I was pretty bright. School wasn't something that was super hard for me. Um, but I would finish before everyone else. And then I would turn around because I was impatient and I needed to help everyone else hurry up and finish. So, (laughs) so I would disrupt the class. So then I got sent to the school psychologist. They did whatever things that they did. I don't know. You know, I played with dolls and played in sand and did different things. And she really didn't say that there was anything the matter with me. She just said, you know, she's bright and she gets bored. Um, and then other things think you know that I think were maybe indicative my that kind of showed my impulsive nature so one of the things that I was obsessed with and also maybe hyper focus okay maybe possibly um is I was obsessed with water and so if there was a body of water that I could climb into I would do that so um I my parents would tell me stories of how I would Literally, I was in Mexico. We were my family's from Mexico, and I would jump in the water trough, like at the ranch where the horses drink. If I saw water, I was trying to get into it. Um, the other funny thing is that I would always wear my bathing suit underneath my clothes, and I would try, and I always wanted just to get into my bathing suit so I was ready for the water. It's just so weird, and I don't know if this is just me being a weird child <laughs> or if it has anything to do with ADHD, but I'm. Just thinking through, you know, what are the different traits, you know, with the impulsivity, the the hyper-focusing. Another thing on the hyper-focusing, I would have, I would get obsessive about certain things. Like I went through a period of being obsessed with making bracelets and making jewelry. And so I, one whole summer, I amassed all these beads and, and elastic and I would sit in front of, I would go to my grandma's house and I watched the Little Mermaid, because that's another obsession. I was obsessed with The Little Mermaid. And I literally watched it on repeat from the time that I woke up to the time that I went to bed making bracelets. And then I would sell these bracelets. So I don't know. I don't know if that was just me being peculiar or if that was, you know, showing the the traits. I'm still learning so much. Um, so the water one is fascinating. <laughs> I, I'm, I don't have an answer for the water one. Maybe somebody out there will. Um, I think the <laughs> making bracelets and then also selling them definitely was like a flag went up for me because I thought, I feel like I'm learning so much about other women in their childhood and, and that idea that we get, which is like you some, suddenly you're interested in something and then you're going to do it all the time and you're going to make money on it. And this is going to be how you like get rich. You know, right. like there's this idea yes. of like, oh, yeah. you take it, you go from zero to a hundred really quickly oh, yeah. when it comes to interests. And so I love how many women I've talked to who had like childhood businesses. Oh yeah. <laughs> and we're, we're already making that connection as kids. Yep, absolutely. And we did, we, um, we had a pool and I created this club. So basically all the kids would pay me dues. I would go and buy all of the um, all of the the pool like toys, and then the kids could come over and 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 um, play in our pool. And I was always doing that. Okay, the or like um, I would play. We had restaurants, so I would play restaurant, and I would create like a whole restaurant environment in our garage because we always had leftover restaurant equipment and things, um, and. And then I would actually sell lemonade. So we would set up our little, you know, lemonade 
stand on the on the corner. There was always something. It was always organizing people to create a business to make money, and then it would. It was just like you know, basically my life, <laughs> even to this day. <laughs> yeah, I think there is the, the organization element. Definitely, I feel like I relate to that a lot. Uh, and still, yeah. even as an adult, I mean, I feel like I'm in a constant state of organization without mm-hmm. ever actually feeling organized. Totally. Oh my gosh, that's so true. <laughs> now, when it came to comes to school and studying and your grades, how how was that for you? Um, you know, I didn't ever. My parents were never super involved with my school, so I. But I was internally motivated to do well, um, and. I don't think that it was ever really, I don't think that I ever really struggled with school until uh, high school. And I had, and it was algebra. And it was when math started to get more complicated and where it was concepts building upon concepts. And if I, I, I would just tune out because I could not, mm. I had no idea what was going on. And if I missed, because I tuned out, I would space out, I missed one concept and then I would be, it would forget it. You know, you're screwed because if you didn't catch that one and then you're not catching the next one. I I feel like I hear that a lot with, with math and also the kind of impractical impracticability of it. What's the word I'm looking for? Mm-hmm. Like the inability to kind of give it a practical application right. in your mind right. immediately, I think is also difficult at that age. Right. Just Absolutely. sort of that boredom, which is like, why are we learning this again? <laughs> Right. Exactly. And then you tune out. Yep. That's exactly right. And it happened in college with the same, I mean, I, my whole associate's degree was delayed because I could not pass this stupid class. (laughs) I had to retake it like three times. I think, I think I did end up pass. I don't even think, actually, I don't even think I did end up passing it. Oh Lord. Yeah. So my whole education got stuck on that one stupid class. (laughs) With college, I actually, there's, you can get like the three-year degree or the four-year with honors. And the four-year with honors was really necessary if anybody wanted to go on and do their master's degree. And Mm -hmm. I stayed in school for that fourth year because I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life and everybody else was staying for their fourth year, but I knew I didn't want to go on and do my master's. And halfway through my last semester, I got a job as a journalist and working in a newspaper, which was what I wanted to do. And I ended up just, I just stopped going to all of my classes and I got F's in all of the classes of my last (laughs) semester because I didn't, I was like, well, I already got the job, you know, like I was like, what's the point? And so it's always been this thing that I carried with me secretly my whole life, which was like, I got a diploma, but my grade point average just was destroyed by that last semester. And I look back um, now and I'm like, oh my God, that's so ADHD of me to just be like, nope, not interested. Sorry. Yep, and then like, bitch. just stop going to all my <laughs> classes because I had a job. Um, that's funny. You just, it just remind, when you were talking about college, it just reminded me of that. And I was like, oh yeah, I don't think I ever made that connection. <laughs> Anyway, uh, so then how did you, you know, you were, you said you had a brick and mortar spray tan business that um, did have to close in 2020. How did you get into that business? And tell me about that. Okay. So this is so ADHD. It's hilarious. Okay. Um, It was the summer of 2016. Um, I... My okay, so just some background. Um, I'm from California, and I live in Illinois now. And we moved here in 2011. Um, I have two boys, and my husband also has has his two. So we're a blended family. Um, but my two boys, they go home to California every summer, and every summer that they go home, it's as though I'm caught completely off guard. And I don't know what to do with myself because who in the world am I without my children? And I, so knowing that this was going to happen, I anticipated this to happen. And instead of being caught off guard this time, I wanted to really spend the summer reuniting with myself and remembering who I am and what, you know, who I, who was I, who am I and who do I want to be, you know? 
So part of my process was one of the things um, was that I I really wanted, this is just simple. Like, I mean, I, we have a big, we live in the country. I have a big yard and I never wore pants. I mean, I never wore, (laughs) I never wear shorts because I never want to show my legs and my legs had not seen the light of day for probably since I, probably since I lived in California. So I, my legs were so paper white and I wanted to be able to wear shorts to mow my lawn, but it's, Illinois summers, it's hot, it's sticky, there's bugs. Like you're not going to sit outside. At least I wasn't going to sit outside and wait to get a tan. So um, I went to the nearby little town of Winnebago and I um, I found a little tanning salon there and I I started going. And so what I found in this process of going to the tanning salon and laying in a tanning bed was that the sunshine of that, that experience just gave me, it it was like a reset for me. It just felt like I was just being like loved on by the sun for a few minutes. I mean, um, not, not abusively, you know, not, not like burning or anything like that, but it just felt like a reset. So I really enjoyed how that felt. And I really enjoyed going. Um, and if I was having a difficult day, I would go, when I would, when I would go, I felt like it was a restart to my day. So anyway, so I'm enjoying this process. I, and then I tell the lady there at the, at that owns the salon, I'm like, Oh, you know, I really, I'm really glad that I found you guys. That was, I'm really enjoying, um, I'm really enjoying coming. And mind you, this was just part of my process. The whole summer was like, you know, a lot of, a lot of, (sighs) this is so funny. So I started also doing yoga. Um, and, And like trying to um, be still in my mind because my mind felt like it was a runaway train and I could not get it to stop. Now, in hindsight, I realize, holy crap, like your mind is totally ADHD. And I was so basically I was trying to find tools to manage the the chaos in my mind and my brain. Um, So anyway, going back to the thing. So that's how I discovered this business. Then she, so when I tell her this, that I, um, that I really am enjoying this process, blah, blah, blah. She's like, yeah, you know, we're, we're selling the business because we're going to be moving back home. And, and I was super bummed because I'm like, no, I just found you guys. You can't leave. (laughs) And that, (laughs) and that weekend, my husband and I took a trip to, um, Cornucopia, Wisconsin to go see a friend of his. It's like an eight hour drive. And so I'm telling him what, you know, what happened. And we both kind of like look at each other, like, you know, thinking the same thing, like, would that be a good opportunity for us? And so um, then we're like, okay, like we we're like, okay, just name a dollar amount that would make it even, you know. And so we kind of went through this whole process and we were both on the same page on every single thing. And so then that, I mean, that's kind of how the ball started getting rolled, you know, and it's so ridiculous because how impulsive is that? I knew nothing about this industry. I knew nothing about this kind of business. Um, and I just knew that I loved the experience of it. And I'm like, I've, I've been in business before. Our family is, well, you know, you know, like with, the way that our brains work, (laughs) we're always creating businesses out of things. Um, and I just knew that, I mean, I've done it before. Like I've gone into something before that I knew nothing about and learned on the fly because that's, I get, I'm super resourceful and I love to learn new things and I love to create something. Um, and so I, yeah, I just, I mean, if I think about it, if like, if a, if a person who is like a logical thinker, um, with a background in business were to evaluate my process, they would think I was crazy because I didn't have any numbers. I had no reason to believe that this could work. Um, All I had was the desire to create something beautiful and the desire to test myself and to bet on myself and to take this risk, knowing that I would figure it out. Um, so that's how, so that's how I ended up in this business. It was, um, it's a tanning salon and boutique 
And um, so there was tanning, there was spray tanning. So in the process, I became a spray tan artist. And of course, um, I had to go like all the way and get my master certification and and really perfect it and all of that. And um, and then there was the boutique portion of it as well. And then I started doing workshops, you know, like fishing board workshops. And um, I got into, you know, CBD and then we did a CBD workshop and I was just super involved in the community and um, and just, it was amazing. It was awesome. And then COVID happened and, um, and that kind of, it forced, it, it kind of forced a decision because, and my lease was coming up. It was almost like the, like, it was like a thousand roads intersected and I had to make a decision, but, and at first I didn't have enough information and it was really difficult. And I was, you know, I just was so, it was so traumatic. It felt so traumatic because it's not, you know, you have to answer questions that you don't have enough information to answer. Um, it was just a lot of things. So anyway, regardless, now I'm very, very grateful because, um, I know that I made the right decision to close that business and to shift completely. And so now I'm just doing spray tanning out of a studio that I have here. At, um, it's like building separate from my house, kind of like a granny house, super cute, but I, I get to keep my one-on-one clientele. Um, I get to do what I love and I'm not I don't have all the extra stress of the entire, you know, all of the facets of the business with, you know, so it's perfect. And now I get to do some, get to dive into some other things that I want to do and I get to have some time of exploration. So I feel like I just talk and talk and talk and talk. I'm sorry. You can interrupt me at any time. <laughs> I'm trying really hard not to interrupt you. So I'm like taking oh, notes of things do. that I want to say later because I, <laughs> I love everything you're saying. It's so important. And I think it's so insightful into how our brains work. First of all, like the relationship with the sun and the tanning, I thought was really interesting because I've heard so much about the importance of being outside in nature mm-hmm. and for people with ADHD and how much we respond to like that outside time. But I never really made that connection with the importance of the sun. I don't know if it's vitamin oh, yeah. D or what it is, but like I always have really bad uh, seasonal affective disorder. Yep, same. And and I wonder if that is common with a lot of people with ADHD. Um, and I used to love when I worked nights at a newspaper, you know, my, my I always worked from like, um, like four to midnight. That was like mm-hmm. my ideal shift because I could have as much daytime as possible to be outside in the sun. And then I would do, you know, then I would work at night when it was dark and it was like the perfect setup for me. And I loved it. And I did it for years and years and years until I had babies. And then I couldn't do that anymore because babies make you wake up at 6am no matter what. (laughs) And, um, so that's really interesting. I never made that connection, but I bet you there is something about mood and the dopamine and, and the sun, you know, and, and that importance of tanning. Um, absolutely. And then also just the, the different sides to impulsivity when it comes to starting a business, you know, like (laughs) I think the fact that we are so impulsive allows us to go with our gut and go really listen to those moments where we're like, this is going to work, you know, and, and we don't overthink things. We don't sit back and make, you know, pros and cons lists, even though maybe we should, but (laughs) Um, it's, you know, it's just our lot in life and it's how we make our decisions. And I think it allows us to really lean into that intuitive nature Mm -hmm. that a lot of people can lose. And then I just love how you have stayed positive throughout this whole thing. And, And I think that's also something that is also that I'm seeing a lot with other women in ADHD, which is like this mentality of like, yeah, I screw up all the time, but like everything happens for a reason. And now look at all the things that this decision has brought me. And it's not exactly where I thought I was going, but like, we're so easy. We're really good at pivoting. And it's something that we need to do a lot of in our lives because we get bored and, and we change our minds a lot. But I think that ability to really kind of look back and think like, if it wasn't for ABC, I wouldn't be where I am right now. So. Right. And you know, something else that's so funny is <clears throat> I love the process of envisioning something and then going to work to create it. But once that's done, 
it is like pulling teeth. And it was, I was at that point with my business. I don't think that I had, you know, part of it, you know, they say like you, you're not always aware of, of your thoughts um, or you're not always aware, like you, you sometimes like you, you're not really aware of something until hindsight. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's, I think I was at the point of in the business where I had finally create, cause it, I mean, it took time to create the, the entire experience that I wanted to create. I mean, I had a vision very, very specific of what I wanted to create. And, and because I didn't have like a ton of money, I was, I didn't have like a bunch of money to infuse at the very beginning. So what I did was I just kept reinvesting, reinvesting until I created what I wanted to create in my mind. And then when that was done, the actual day-to-day process of just walking it out was, I, I, it was not enjoyable at all. I could, I, and I would make, and I would try to like, I would create all of these, you know, I know that this is what I need to do next. I know that this is my plan, but I just could not figure out how to walk this out every single day. So it was almost like the exciting part was over and now was the part of actually, you know, walking out these specific things that I know this is what the business needs in order for it to grow even more and to do blah, blah, blah. But it wasn't that, that part's not exciting to me. Mm -hmm. So it's funny how now I can look back and be like, okay, I realize now that that's all part of it as well. Also, you know, that whole executive dysfunction of not being able to figure out, like I would, I could not figure out how to start something until I had the external pressure of a deadline or, you know, this event that was coming up. And and now I like, I, I, you know, I thank God that he sent me such an amazing team all throughout all the different seasons of, of that business, because I probably stressed them out so, <laughs> so much. <laughs> Because, you know, they're they're like, okay, just give us direction. I'm like, I'm trying to, this is part of my process. I've got, you know, like you have to get, the chaos has to go through this funnel before it can be, you know, before you can have the plan. But I can't have, that process doesn't happen for me until there's time pressure. Then the time pressure, then all of a sudden it all snaps into focus and now it's time to run. And I can, I'm so good at that. And I, so I... I know my process. I know that I will always pull it off. I'll pull it off. Like the day that, you know, the day that it's supposed to happen, it's going to happen. It's going to be amazing. But between now and then, (laughs) I'm going to stress everyone out because, you know. Do you remember that post in the Female Entrepreneurs Facebook group about implementation? And there was a woman who had said, you know, it feels like standing on the edge of the cliff and you see the other cliff and you just don't see the bridge. Right. Absolutely. I think about, I think about that, that allegory all the time when it comes to, you know, is not being able to figure out, you know, where you want to go, you know how you need to, you know, but you, right. You can see the big picture in, in a way, but you just don't know how to take those first steps. Right. And, and then, like you said, once you have the time, restriction eventually you just like jump <laughs> right because yeah. you know once you, you, I think it's that I think it's why we probably work so well when it comes to like really really strict deadlines is because then you're not kind of looking for all the ways you're supposed to do things you're just like ah screw it I'm gonna jump I think about that cliff analogy any other parents out there who have struggled to instill good financial habits into their kids I know I have And that's why I'm so excited to tell you about the sponsor of today's episode, Go Henry by Acorns, the smart debit card and app for kids 6 through 18. With Go Henry, kids can learn about money, set spending and saving goals, and even track chores and earn allowance money right within the app. They learn the value of money by using their Go Henry debit cards, while we as parents can set spend limits and help guide their journey while staying informed every step of the way. It gives me so much peace of mind to know that I'm using a smart tool to proactively teach my kids about money and prepare them for future success. Set your kids up for success and get started today at gohenry.com slash women ADHD. Again, that's gohenry.com slash women ADHD. TNCs apply, renews from $4.99 per month unless canceled. All the time. It's so true. 
um, I had one of my one of my clients turned into one of she, he turned into um, well, it's so funny. These people were the the most amazing people. It was Carrie and um, and her husband Mike, and they were my clients turned um, teammate turned, and then the husband ended up mentoring me for a little bit. And he was, and I think that the both of them probably knew that I had ADHD before I did, because you know they're. <laughs> I laugh because oh my gosh, the things they had to go through with me. Um, but <laughs> but Mike, he would always tell me he's like, okay, he's he was always trying to help me create systems to help me rein in, rein myself in. And he's like, it's like you go to the grocery store and you go and you you buy all the ingredients to make spaghetti, and you come home and you realize you don't have the pots and pans to make it. He's like, you need to make sure that you have the pots and pans before you can go to the grocery store and buy all the ingredients. And the the funny thing is, is at that time I had no, I didn't know that I had ADHD. I had no idea. And I just was like, what is wrong with me that I feel like I'm a kid still and I'm constantly trying to create systems to keep myself together. But you know, but yet I have these amazing results in my life, you know, like I I I go into things not knowing how to do things, but I throw myself into it. And then when I look back, I'm like, dang, look what you did. That's amazing. You know, but at the same time, it's like, why do I feel like I'm I'm working so much harder than the average person just to function like a normal human being? And I'm failing at that. <laughs> like, oh, it's yeah. crazy. It's so funny. So now, like, just, I mean, I, I've only had really two months to process all of this. So I'm still, even right now, just processing this out loud, just realizing, holy crap, like it was so obvious. And I'm sure that it was obvious to everyone else, you know, before it was obvious to me. (laughs) Yeah. I remember hearing that metaphor of like, it felt like everybody else got the manual in life right? Yeah, and I never got it. And that's like, that's kind of how you feel in so many different situations. It really is really difficult to describe. I think you're doing a great job of it. I think a lot of people are going to relate to how you're talking about it in terms of, you know, doing the work, reading the books, um, and yet still feeling like there was a part of you that was irreparably broken. Broke. Exactly. That's you're using another one of my words. Oh my gosh. Did I, I say I, that? I know I'm feeling it right from your answer with the, uh, what do you love most? I, <laughs> that you said, I loved it. It said, uh, it says, you said, I thought I was irreparably broken. I yep. read all the books. I listened to all the podcasts. Yep. I bought all the courses. Yep. And I did so much work and yet I still felt broken. Yeah. Yes. And see, this is what's, this is the beauty of having the diagnosis of knowing now that it's just how my brain is wired. It's how God made me. I'm not broken. Like you have no idea how liberating that has been for me because I lived with so much shame. Like I could cry. I lived with so much shame thinking there was something wrong with me. And I, and, and I, you know, there's, there's also, there's, there's a part that trauma plays in, in all of this story too, for me, I had to unravel and do a lot of like, so starting that last four or five years, like I said, that summer, that was the summer that I became very intentional and it was, it continued this whole last four or five years has been a continual process of just surrender. And, and instead of like, I always say like, it felt like I was always either running away from something or running towards something, but I was never just still, I never would just let God do the work in me that needed to be done. Like I, I wasn't surrendered, you know, and I, I was afraid of facing the trauma. I was afraid of, of, of thinking about, of, the things that have happened, you know, cause there's been a lot of things that a lot of dark seasons in my life, you know? And so I thought that maybe on the other side of the trauma work, maybe when, you know, when I'm healed of this, maybe when I've released and let this go, when I've processed all of these things, but when I had done all of this work on my heart and I had, and I had, I, I felt like I got to the point where I was like, Lord, like, why do I still feel so broken? You know, and it was so painful. And I just thought I started to feel hopeless. Like, I'm just going to be this way forever. I'm always going to lug around this anchor of sadness. And, 
and feel like I'm not worthy, like I'm not good enough, like I'll never be enough, you know? And that is a burden that is so heavy. And when I realized that I was like, I sound like Lady Gaga. When when I realized I was born this way, like I was designed this way, that I wasn't broken, that I'm different. And that's just the way that God made me. Like that was so freeing because I, it just, it was as though I could let go of that shame of feeling like I wasn't enough and yeah. that I would always be this way. I feel like it, there is so much grief involved mm-hmm. as well in mm-hmm. this diagnosis. And I've spoken right. about this with a few of my other guests, which is like looking back at your life and thinking, you know, feeling so much grief for that woman who went through all of the things she went through, not knowing um, kind of right. quote unquote what was wrong with her. And, and right. I remember when I first had my diagnosis, I was talking to my therapist and I said like, why is this called, you know, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder? It's not a disorder. This is a superpower. And I was going on right. and on and on about how great it was. And she said, but it is a disorder. You still have to remember that you've been going through your life with a brick tied to your ankle. And, you know, and she said, you've had to work so much harder than yep. everybody else because of this brick. And she said, right. don't discredit the brick, you know, like don't take, don't um, deny the fact that the brick is there, that the right. disorder is there. Yes. Now you have the tools. Now you have the ways in which you can work around. You were kind of, kind of fumbling and intuitively getting to them <laughs> your whole life. And now you're at yeah. this place where you have a lot more knowledge and power but the brick is still there and you need to acknowledge right. that, that, that that is part of your life. Yeah. And you know, something that when you were, when you mentioned the brick, I just resonated with that so much because I remember writing in my journal that if I could, if I could just, how can I explain this? Okay. So it was almost like we work so much harder, like you said, and so much effort to rise, so much effort to rise. And I thought, and my thought was, well, okay, so right now I'm kind of like, you know, seeking, I'm like seeking the anchors. I'm looking for the anchors. What are the anchors? I need to cut the anchors because once I cut, once I'm free from these anchors with the amount of energy that I am outputting to rise. Once you are like released from those anchors, holy crap, you're going to rise like a rocket, you know? And, um, and so I felt like, okay, the trauma, those are, those were all anchors. And I, that's why I felt like, why do I still feel like I'm tied to this thing? Okay. So now I know, yeah, it is something that I'm going to be, like you said, we're always going to have this tied to our ankle, but the beauty of knowing is now like, you can, you can, you can know what's going on. So like for me, like I, um, now that I, now that I understand what's going on, when things are happening, I'm like, okay, this is what's happening right now. So now I, I know that this is what I'm doing because I'm trying to avoid doing the final books for the business. And because why? Because it's, it's, hard and I don't want to. And it reminds me of something that is dead. And, you know, I think of all, and so I'm going to set a timer for 15 minutes. I'm just going to start. And so anyway, my point is, is that once you know what your anger is, you can work around it and you're empowered to, to overcome it. So it doesn't have to be just this thing that's holding you back that, makes you feel like you're never going to get there. Do you know what I mean? Oh yeah. You know, just, you've got this brick, but you just need to like find the skateboard to put the brick on. Right. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That's so good. That's so good. (laughs) I know we're killing it with the metaphors today. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I love it. So now you're also pursuing a life coaching certification. Yes. So (laughs) I always, 
This is okay. Here I go again. I feel like you, I can't just answer your question with a simple answer. I've got to give you the whole life story behind every <laughs> single thing. Oh, oh, that all the pieces like are feel. I think you're used to doing that with people because all the pieces feel like they're not connected, but in your brain, right. they're totally connected. Oh, right? absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, okay. So, like I said, I've been through some things, and the only thing that kept me, I feel like it was literally what saved me was the belief that all things work together for the good and that God was going to use the things that I've been through to help someone else. And so while I would be going through awful traumatic things, I would just remember, okay, Alejandra, you're the guinea pig, like this is happening, but you can get through this. And when you get through this, you're going to find, you're going to be able to have a pathway that, you know, that you'll be able to help someone else go through this. And the thing is, though, is that um, I got to the point where I was just like, um, Alejandra, you've been through all these things, but I don't think that you found the path. So <laughs> you really can't help anyone. Um, so that's where that's where I am now, though, where I'm like, okay, so I've done a lot of hard work. I've done a lot of things. Um, and now with this, this is another missing piece of the puzzle. So that's really awesome. Um, but I've always... At the core of me, though, I've always wanted to help um, others, and I just haven't really known how. So, one of the things is, yes, I am. Um, I am doing a life coaching certification, um, and I, I am, um, I'm working on that. It is not yet done because, among other things, I have a lot of things that I really want to. <laughs> oh God, I am telling you, like I had to create a Trello board. Somebody introduced me to Trello and it's amazing because now I can put, I created a board for all the courses and then I'm like, okay, so what do I want to pursue first? <laughs> and it all would work together. But I think that life coaching certification just, I really would like to do. And I really want to have, I really want to do a podcast. That's the other thing. Um, so that's, but I'm thinking podcast first because why? I don't actually, nobody's, I have no audience. No one's going to be listening. So I can just do it so I can learn how to do it. And nobody needs to hear it because there's nobody <laughs> listening. <laughs> and I figure if I just get started, and that's just the thing. If I, if I, this is how I do everything. I just start and then all the pieces will like all the pieces to the path will reveal themselves and then it will become something beautiful. I don't need to know how I just need to start. So that's kind of, I'm thinking my, my path forward is I'm going to do the podcast first because I have no audience. So it's good. Nobody <laughs> needs to hear me fumble through and figure it out. And meanwhile, I'll work on my life coaching certification and figure out a way to help other women like me um, if I could reach back to my, you know, past self and help myself forward, I think that's what I would love to do is to kind of help all the Alejandros of the past. <laughs> you know, I think there is definitely a reason why so many of us are coaches. And I think, I think we share that sense of making connections, making mm -hmm. like life-altering connections and having these epiphanies and realizing it, right. you know, how important they are and wanting to help others get to that point. And, and really that empathy and that desire to help others, I think is really strong in us, but mm -hmm. we're also met with so much of that self-doubt, which is like, well, who am right. I to coach anyone else? I'm a hot Absolutely. mess. You know? <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, <laughs> so right. <laughs> um, and so I, you know, I think a lot of coaches struggle with that imposter syndrome, but I think we make the best coaches because of the fact that we are able to make those connections and people see that in us. I think people see that excitement and, and they relate to that. I don't think you have to worry at all. I mean, I've, I've been talking to you. I have never met you before and I'm just like, Oh yes, you'd be such a good coach. Oh, uh, you can just tell you. it. I can tell it in your, just, <laughs> you know, in, in your self-awareness and I think also just the lightheartedness and the humor. I mean, your personality is, um, if that is what you want to do, I think you're, you're perfectly suited for it. Oh, thank you. And I'm sure people would be drawn to you. And as for the podcast, I mean, th this that's 100% why I started this podcast was I wanted an excuse to interview people <laughs> because awesome. 
I love I love talking to other women and I know that interviewing other women about this topic that is so fascinating to me is that's just how I learn. I learn about mm-hmm. myself from asking other people questions. And it's, you know, I think it's also, have you seen a lot of the memes about like, I know I'm interrupting you and talking about myself a lot, but it's like how I process information right. is bringing yep. it, you know, finding how we relate to each other as human beings. So I was mm-hmm. like, how can I figure out a way to interview other women that I don't know? I like want an excuse to talk to them. So I'm going to start this podcast. That's <laughs> it's awesome. entirely selfish. Well, but you know, you're doing a really great job. That's awesome. Mm. Because so the ones that I listened to, they were so good. And you just have you have a great podcasting voice. Like really, really good. Oh, thank you. Yeah. My 13-year-old, I'm gonna tell my 13-year-old daughter because she says, You sound so depressed. You sound so angry all the time. And I'm like, yeah. ah, that's just me. <laughs> no, it's beautiful, beautiful voice. And they're so they're so easy to listen to. And the whole time I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. And to the point even where I was like, what am I going to, I'm like literally going to be her, like, she probably isn't even going to be able to use it because <laughs> what am I going to have to say for 45 minutes? Like, and these <laughs> women sound so intelligent and so self-aware. And so like, I learned so much about the, um, the, actually it was my last, I was on my way to my doctor's appointment where I decided finally, I'm going to take a break from trying medicines and, and just do, um, supplementation when you were interviewing the lady about the, supplementation and the importance of like the gut brain connection and all of this stuff. And I learned so much from that, from that episode. And I thought, Oh my gosh, she's so smart. I don't know if she's going to be able to use my podcast. <laughs> oh my God. You just made my day. Cause I think the one thing I'm loving these conversations so much, but again, I'm sort of like, I'm putting them out there and I have no idea if anyone else is going to want to listen oh, to yeah. these random conversations with women, but I just find them so informative. And yes, that woman, especially Karen Minor heard, she just was like blowing me away. She was really interesting. But I think, I think this is one of the most relatable conversations I've had. Honestly, I feel like you are offering a lot. And I think you really, you know, you have a really incredible way of just tapping into that feeling of, of, um, that freedom, you know, like you were talking about with the anchors and that kind of excitement, Mm -hmm about this new awareness and how you're going to live your life, but also like a lot of sadness that comes with this diagnosis, which is like, wow, you know, like I'm really coming to grips with how difficult my life has been. Maybe it's something we weren't really willing to sit down and think about because we were working so hard to just get shit done. Right. Absolutely. (laughs) there is, there's, it's, there's so much to unpack, especially, and especially when there's past trauma and and that feeling of like, what is depression? What is anxiety? What is ADHD? I don't really know. Does it even matter if I know? So now do you feel like your, maybe your kids have it or does your husband have it or anyone else in your life? So funny. So, okay. So my son was diagnosed. I have two, two sons. Um, one was diagnosed when he was in second grade. The other one in fifth grade, his teacher thought he had ADD um, because his desk was just, I mean, you couldn't, he couldn't close it. He was, he's like the absent-minded professor. He's super smart and he's super, um, he hyper-focused on things that, um, that he was, you know, like trains and um, he just was super duper peculiar in his own way. He didn't speak until he was four. Um, but he was a drawing since before he was one. Like he was just such a, I just was in awe of this kid. I just absolutely love him. But we went to the, took him to the doctor. She tried to give him um, like a Adderall or whatever. He hated how that felt. So then she's like, okay, I'm going to refer you to pediatric neurologist. He um, gets referred. He gets diagnosed with Asperger's with, um, with autism. And that made perfect sense. Um, with everything that, you know, I, it was one, it was again, one of those things, but then I had this crisis in myself. I thought, whatever he is, I am because we are so much alike. And so I had this period of time where I thought, oh my gosh, do I have Asperger's? Like, do I have, am I also autistic? Because, you know, like just identify so much with all of his peculiarities. I thought for sure, then that must mean that, that me too. Um, and now that I have this, you know, 
uh, now I'm starting to see, I'm like, okay, do you have Asperger's or do you have ADHD? Like, I don't know. But, um, but yes, definitely both my boys have been affected. They're neurodivergent is the new word that I'm learning. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and now like, so I, one of the things that I learned was that, um, ADHD is genetic. So more than likely someone in your family. Right. So I look, I'm like, okay, both my parents, like which one? And I'm like, for sure my mom, (laughs) my mom. And I'm like, and you know what? Also, I think my dad too. And so I had the conversation with my mom. I'm like, mom, you're not going to believe this, but I have ADHD and let me tell you why. And let me tell you what it means. And let me tell you what, how it presents itself. And mom, I think you may have it too. And she goes, oh my gosh, Alejandra. She's like, I think I do too. (laughs) I'm like diagnosing my whole family. Oh, I know. I'm doing the same thing. Have you ever heard the term, you know, when mom's on a diet, everyone's on a diet? Yep. (laughs) So my daughter says the same thing about ADHD. She's like, when mom has ADHD, everybody has ADHD because I'm, I'm, I'm evaluating everybody in my life. And I honestly think, I mean, I think the official numbers are like 8% of people have ADHD in the U S but like, I think it just based on how much I'm learning about it and how much I'm learning about myself and all the people I've encountered in my life, I'm like, it's got to be so many more people. Right. When the more we really start to understand it and see how it presents itself so differently in different people. I mean, you had mm-hmm. two sons and you recognize it in them be- long before you recognize it in yourself. That's how right. far we need to come. And it's so funny too, because now that I... Now that I realize this about myself, I feel like I'm such a, like, for one, now I understand what they are struggling with. Like, so now it almost has, like, shifted our entire relationship. Like, and not only that, but um, it's so, it's so much, there's so much freedom there. Like, now I'm not pushing a rock up a hill. Like, now I can just call it out. Like, okay, here's what, here's what, I, here's the kind of day I'm having. And here's what's happening. And, and so now I can also understand what they're experiencing and they feel so much more understood. And it's just, I feel like we're, our relationships are so much better. Like the, the harmony in my household is so much better Cause there's this understanding and like, and the funny thing too, when I first started talking about it, my son is like, okay, so you're going to like self-diagnose yourself. Like they're both in high school. So he, and he was like, yeah, whatever. Like just totally dismissing and being a little butthead. And finally I did go and I, you know, I got the diagnosis and everything. And, um, and it's not something that it was just like a, an idea that I had because I have lots of like, you know, the hyper focus, like you have the idea and then you fixate on it for a little while and then it's gone. And it's like, you forget about it. Um, but it hasn't, and it's still here. <laughs> and so now it's like, okay, all right. You know, he's, he's a little bit, uh, he's now he's like understanding that I understand him also. So it's, it's been really good. I don't know if anything of what I just said made any sense, but all that to say, it's been really good. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think the the diagnosis, the understanding alone is such a huge part of that freedom. You know, even if you're not mm-hmm. even treating it or if your life isn't necessarily immediately better, right. just that awareness. I was on an, um, another interview I had recently, I likened it to like walking around your house with a foot of water everywhere. And you're like, why is there water in my house? What is happening? Mm-hmm. And like, you kind of like, you can get around it and you, you can ignore it. But every once in a while you're like, oh my, why is there a foot of water in my house? And then somebody finally says to you, like, there's a faucet on, go turn off the faucet. Right. And like, even if you, even if you can't get to the faucet right away, just knowing that there's a cause for this mysterious foot of water is, is makes your life so much better. Yeah. And, and that's why I think it can be really difficult. And when you face that idea of like, well, maybe it's not ADHD. Maybe I don't have it. Maybe somebody's going to think I don't or think I'm lying. Like why we place so much, uh, th- there's so much at stake with that idea of like, oh, maybe this is all in my head because that's right. how we've lived our whole lives. Maybe it's all in my head. So of mm-hmm. course we're going to apply that to our ADHD ex- diagnosis as well. Yeah. Um, all right. So now you're, so you are working with one-on-one clients. How can people in the Winnebago, Illinois area find you? What's the best way to reach you? Are you on social media? Yes. So, okay. So you can find me on Facebook 
or Instagram. My name is Alejandra Kotke. Um, for the my business, for um, it's Cornerstone Sunless is the name of the business. Um, well, that's super exciting. I really look forward to following your journey and either in the entrepreneur group or online in general. It's been so much fun chatting with you and getting to know you and figuring out all the different parts underneath your umbrella that make you you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. Well, thank you. It's been really, really nice to talk to you. There you have it. Thank you for listening. And I really hope you enjoyed this episode of the Women and ADHD podcast. Also, as you know, we ADHDers crave feedback, and I would really appreciate hearing from you, the listener. Please take a moment to leave me a review over on my website, womenandadhd.com, or on Apple Podcasts, or Audible, or whatever other platform you're using. And if that feels like too much, and I get it, then just take a few seconds to give me a five-star rating. Boom, done. Or share this episode on your own social media to help reach more women who maybe have yet to discover and lean into this neurodivergent superpower, and they may be struggling and they don't even know why. Make sure to tag me on Instagram or Twitter. I'm at women and ADHD. If you are a woman who was diagnosed with ADHD in adulthood and you'd like to be interviewed as a guest on this podcast, please reach out to me. My email is womenandadhdpodcast at gmail.com. If you'd like to know more about me, head over to worthitwithkatie.com. That's where I help other women with ADHD break free from the yo-yo dieting and binge eating cycle for good. I'll see you next week when I interview another amazing woman who has recently discovered that she is not lazy or crazy, but she has ADHD. And now she's on the path to understanding that neurodivergence and finally using it to her advantage. Take care till then.